Hello everyone, my name is Steph McLeod and welcome to another episode of This Is My Story, This Is My Song. In this podcast, I'll be interviewing some amazing people about life, ministry, songs and music and what it means to serve the church, especially during a season of lockdown and isolation. In this episode, I'm joined by my good friend, Northern Ireland's very own Nathan Jess. Not only is Nathan a wonderful worship leader, a multi-talented musician and producer, he's also one of the hardest working songwriters I've ever met or had the privilege of writing with. So come and join us as we discuss growing up with music, life on the road as a travelling musician, the dangers of being a yes man, some songwriting tips and the gifts that come from collaborative songwriting. I could honestly chat with Nathan for days so I know you're going to love this. Sit back, relax and I'll catch you at the end. Hello Nathan Jess, how's it going? It's lovely to have you on the podcast. Welcome, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. Good to, good to virtually be with you. <laughs> good to virtually be with you. That's a good <laughs> one, man. It's kind of like May the Fourth be with you, but it's not the fourth. <laughs> yeah. It's a May, May the twelfth. But it's uh, aye, it's good to be good. Good to be with you. I think the last trip I had away last year was here. Was with was with you? Yeah. Oh uh, wow. Aye, and uh, it was good times, man. It was um, just writing. Writing the songs, some of the songs, and finishing up the songs for my old perfect father EP, wasn't it? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. some good times we we were staying up at um, what part? What part of Northern Ireland were we staying in? So you stayed at my in laws' lovely loft, didn't you? That's where you stayed, yeah. Oh, it was lovely, man. Yeah, so it's in Guildford, so it's like County Armagh, apple apple country where they all grow apples in Northern Ireland. Amazing, honestly, I I don't know what it's what it is, but whenever I come to Northern Ireland, it, it feels like such a a sanctuary for me. You know, it's very mm. spiritually um fulfilling, and uh, I, I really enjoy coming over in the summer to open skies and and being with our friends, and yeah. uh, you know, we meet a lot of our friends from America as well, and and from around the UK and Europe as well. They they come from all over to uh, for the for the weekend of worship there. It's just a lovely. A yeah, wonderful, vibe. yeah. Is it a I wonderful... think Scottish and Irish people always feel that going either direction. There's quite a close, like, probably just like even sense of humour and stuff. There's a you sort of feel at home. Ah. We certainly like oh. the same food, I think. Although you are into, <laughs> <laughs> I don't do deep fried Mars bars here, though. Oh so. man, that's for the tourists. Honestly, <laughs> it's. Uh... I've never had one though. I've never had one. Have you tried it? I think I did it once, man, and it was disgusting. Absolutely. I don't know why. Somebody, somebody must have thought, there's a deep fryer. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a Mars bar. There's a Mars bar. <laughs> Just madness. Anyway, yeah. it's 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 lovely to see you. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, Thank you. It, it's, um, I really miss you, man. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm really looking forward to everything opening up properly so we can hang out. I know we've, uh, we're planning on writing it again in the future. It's, it's, always, yep. an, it's always an honor. Yeah. Um, so I, I I thought it'd be good to talk today about um, some of the things that you do in your life. You're you're a um, a worship leader, a songwriter, a producer, uh, a multi-talented musician. Uh, we've got quite a lot in common in there. And you know, for myself, I was a fan of your music 
before we even met, you know, which yeah. we'll get get to uh, before, and then just a chance we'd have it. Then we got we managed to get together. We became friends. We've we've toured and all that kind of stuff. But I want to take it right back and and find out a little bit more about Mr. Nathan Jess. So, hmm. what actually what actually got you into music? What was like the was it a childhood memory or? I didn't really have a choice. My family, well, I was always surrounded by music. Everyone played the piano, so you'd always hear piano playing in the in the house. Um, you the only person you knew who it was it was when my dad because he only played "What a Friend We Have in Jesus." That's all he knew. So, if you heard "What a Friend We Have in Jesus," dad was at the case. But um, we we used to travel around like churches and mission halls all across Northern Ireland singing. I think almost every Sunday night. So I did that from the age of seven. So I didn't really have a choice. It was like singing since I can remember. Man, I I think if I was ever in a position where I didn't have a choice, it would be I would be very thankful for that upbringing of being uh, yeah. take, taken around that culture. Yeah, and, and like singing in Ireland, Von Trapp family, you know, amazing man. But my dad was a lay preacher, so we'd have gone places and we'd have sang. And then my dad would have preached. So like I was literally like my dad was my favourite preacher then, you know. I just I I loved doing it, you know. So it was yeah, it was a lot of fun. I definitely grew out of it at a point. I remember when I turned whatever correct teenage year to be like, I don't want to go singing with my parents, but <laughs> <laughs> But it was a great it was a great um, I guess it got me used to just being in front of a room of people and singing songs and stuff, you know. Probably mm. learned more than I even realised, you know, d- yeah. through that whole experience. It certainly, I, I love the community aspect of, of being around other people and singing congregationally, something I've really missed over the last 12 months anyway. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I didn't grow up in a, a musical family as such. I, I got a little Casio keyboard and then started mm. copying the, the adverts off the telly. So it was like right, the okay. the Hovis advert, which is a Dvorak New World Symphony. And, <laughs> and then they thought, oh, I think he's quite good at that. Let's get him some lessons. And that was it. Yeah, that's and, awesome. <laughs> so you actually started more so on keys. It's not that the guitar wasn't the first thing you picked up. No, no. They, they, we had the guitar teacher come to the school and say, um, "We're going to give you some music tests." And I did really well with the ear test. And he said, "I love to teach you." And I went, "Cool." So I started getting guitar lessons there, and then I progressed on yeah. to. Um, I ended up leaving that school and going to a, a music school where I got taught by some very, very awesome people yeah. uh, for free, which was just amazing. Uh, I I always forget that you're like a really good piano player because I'm like I can play guitar and keys okay so my theory is if I move if I change between them often enough people don't realize my limitations you know like before they realize how good I am on guitar I'm on the piano so but you're always I feel like I always see you play guitar and then there's like one or two events in my life where I've seen you go over to piano and went oh why don't you do that more often but like yeah. playing some Rachmaninoff or something it's like oh yeah he can yeah he can play piano as well yeah I, I mean I studied piano it was my second instrument eventually right. you know I mean and and you know you, you actually went to university and studied music as well classically yeah. trained as well you know was it Queen's University I mean what what, what made you decide to go from uh you know uh a lad who was touring around Northern Ireland with his family singing worship to suddenly hitting teenage years, I mean, when I, there was times when I was a teenager when I was like, I can't be bothered with music. 
I'd rather be out playing soldiers with my mates in the woods, <laughs> right? And then, and then, and then suddenly going, I think university is what I want to do, and I want to study music. Yeah. So what 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 made you decide that? I think it's a combination of, well, I was I was encouraged to go to university. So family, my 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 dad was a bank manager, and then worked in finance loads and my sister's an accountant so um both had like really good um backgrounds and that kind of thing so my sister had gone to uni and done accountancy and so I was encouraged to go to uni but I think the two were put together because I just knew I wanted to do music in some capacity it's evolved and changed and I never really necessarily understood where it would end up I mean even what I do now is not what I thought I was doing five years ago but um, I think it was as simple as well I'm going to go to university and there's nothing else I want to do so I don't know what it looks like when I finish the degree but I'll go st- study music so um, I-, I mean apart from probably a brief mid-teenage year when I wanted to be a golfer uh, that's probably the only diversion <laughs> from <laughs> not that I was anywhere near good enough just you know dreams Um what is it about the, the the Celts? You know, we live probably in 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 one part of the world where the weather is horrendous for yeah. golf. I still think it was created for a joke. You know, let, <laughs> yeah, let, yeah. let let let's let's we hit just... a ball around that around this massive field with a hole that size. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, in the yeah. worst in the weather, pour, in the pouring rain, madness. But it's uh, it's great fun though. I, I, yeah. You know, we need to get a game, man. But the um. I, I I had a similar experience going to university or music college and I I never really thought about the outcome as such. Although with my, in my own life I had other stuff going on, so like music wasn't my priority. It should have been. And yeah. uh it, 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 you kinda get wrapped up in that. This is this is the next thing after school. If you if, if you have the ability to go to uni then you should. And so at eighteen yeah. years old I was off to Glasgow to study, you know what I mean? Which was yeah. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, the amount of talent in the in terms of the teaching staff and the the, the students that were there. It was it was looking back. I, I really, <laughs> really didn't realise that I was surrounded yeah. by so much good stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. The um, that that kind of leads on from my other question because, like, you, you talked on it briefly. Did you ever envision when you were at university the progression, or in terms of? Uh, songwriter, singer-songwriter, worship leader, worship artist, uh, to songwriting, and now because you you produce a lot more now. Uh, did yeah. you did you ever envision that path, um, or 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 even doing Christian music full time? No, I mean probably in a naive sense, I was like, this is what I'm going to do, and was just I've always been very driven, so like. Not that it necessarily was then definitely going to work out that way, but I knew that I would give it the best shot. You know, I would knuckle down and... I mean, before I even went to uni, um, my theory was always take every gig somebody offered me. You know, I, I think it's one of the biggest advices I give to young artists or songwriters who speak to me. I don't know if culture's changed that much in 10 years, but I think there's a high expectation for this just happens overnight or and I guess that you know is just reflected in just how immediate things are to us now you know we want something and we get it it's instant you know I order things online and they 
somebody delivers it the next morning. You know, it doesn't make <laughs> any sense. But um, my my biggest advice is always literally take every gig anybody offers you in a hole in the hedge somewhere. I always ju- it's bad for anyone from Northern Ireland listening from Cullybacky. I always that's my like go to. Cullybacky is just like a very middle of nowhere place. But I just took every gig in anywhere for the experience, for the exposure, for um. Yeah, I was just hungry to do it. I didn't care if there was five or 500 people there. I just wanted to get out and play my songs and see how people responded to them. So my biggest thing is always just take everything. And I guess before uni, I was already doing that. I think what was actually incredible about the experience at uni is, and I I, I don't live with regrets, but I, I wasn't super studious at uni and I do wish, like... You know, if I did it again, I'd be like, okay, Nathan, give this a better shot. But what actually uni, I got my degree and what actually the experience of uni did for me was it was almost like three years to really go at the music when you didn't need to rely on the money, if you know what I mean, or needed to um, support yourself or whatever. Um, so like, it's a, it was at uni that I first travelled to go do a gig somewhere. I, I went and supported Brenton Brown in wheels you know for a night and that was like the first time someone actually booked me to go sing in a different country and all that kind of stuff so at uni I just took the opportunity of the freedom of the lifestyle even you know less so than even necessarily what I was studying and and I'm not endorsing that you know knuckle down on your degree but um yeah I, I was just able to basically almost ramp everything up so by the time I got to the end of uni I was in a position to go I had a part-time job for a few months still after that a couple of days a week but I was pretty much able to just launch myself into it and had enough work basically coming to be fulfilling my time with it so um yeah the whole time it's not that I necessarily knew what it was going to look like and it's evolved and changed I kind of did that then for about 10 years of traveling quite a lot ever increasing amount of traveling and doing all that and then yeah it's kind of transitioned again the last couple of years but yeah i I totally identify with the graft you know in the ground yeah and it is a it's a very slow grind here especially within the christian singer songwriter genre it's it is that i mean it does happen but it's 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 uh, in in Scotland, we're we're quite isolated. There's there's not a lot of people here. You know, what I mean, it's uh, yeah. um, the same in Northern Ireland compared to say like London, where there's like ten million people. You know, uh, yeah. gigs everywhere. You know, there's, there's, you can literally find any kind of music there. It's so um, yeah. um, metropolitan. You know, what I mean. So, but the yeah. uh, I I remember having that hunger as well. And I once turned up and did a gig at the folk club in Leith. With my right. mate, we took the PA there, set the PA up. I did the gig for my mate, and then we took it down and went home with a bag of chips, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was just it was just because you were playing live, you know. What I mean, yeah. it was there was just something about <clears throat> playing songs that you'd spent quite a lot of of time and uh, effort. You know, I don't say that word lightly. You know, effort yeah. into pouring yourself into this song. Yeah, and and then and then just sharing that, 
with somebody who was willing to listen. It's it's like a covenant, you know what I mean? It's like this 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 sacred agreement where you know you, I'm going yeah. to share this message, with you, I'm going to receive it, and then together we're going to have this experience, which is yeah, just wonderful, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and um, it, it was it was it's very difficult to describe what that's like, and even when you're going through the graft, I don't think I have the energy to do that anymore. Like just. Mm. Uh, you know, travel to exotic places like uh, Manchester. Um, <laughs> well, back then, you know, a, a one and a half hour trip was to Manchester was really exotic, and yeah. you know, yeah. I love I love Manchester and going there. But doing that five times a week in different pl- parts of the country, logistically, yeah. I, I've honestly I, I, I've learned some very hard lessons. But um, I'm 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 definitely healthier than I've ever been. I mean, I loved the traveling side of it. Um, I, I generally love traveling and my wife would be less keen. So I, I really enjoyed, I mean, what a way to see the world, you know, when fulfilling like this burning calling within you to go lead people in worship and write songs, but getting to like see the world as you do it, like very, very, very blessed to have done it, but I'm healthier now. I mean, I don't know if it's spending so many flights on circulated air and stuff, but I, like I see a dramatic difference in my immune system i would have got at least once a year or twice a year i'd got a thing that would have me in bed for a week and i seem to I'd, I'd feel it coming on and now when i get the same if i maybe pick up a bug and f- notice myself like fighting something i'm you know it's almost like a week later and go why did i not end up in bed it's like oh you've actually got an immune system again that you know healthy yeah. sleeping patterns and just a bit of a more normal lifestyle so yeah, and it does it does take its toll being on the road a lot. I mean, so, some people make it work really, really well. I guess yeah. I guess the hardest part for me was the adjustment between home life and being on the road, because yeah. I would I would come back exhausted, man. You know, absolutely yeah. knackered. Uh, you know, just completely, completely shattered. And uh, um, it, it took a while for me to recover. Uh, you know, and, and in my twenties, that wasn't an issue as much as yeah. it would be now. I mean, I'm forty now, like so. <laughs> And it's the balance of it's the balance of walking back in. So, I mean, I always felt like I just lived in a perpetual state of jet lag. You know, I don't think I was ever grounded in a certain time zone. But it's like the balance of coming home shattered um, from all the travel and whatever, but needing to immediately turn on to, you know, a family. I've got a wife and two kids here. I can't be like, oh, I'm really tired. It's like, yeah, well, you haven't been here for two weeks. So <laughs> there's no like grace period then. It's like, you're, oh, you're dad again here, you know? So it's like, that's all, that was all really difficult. And yeah, it's about finding your balances, right? And mm. realizing what you're capable of and sticking to that. So had to uh, yeah. learn the hard way sometimes, but. Absolutely, man. Uh, a friend told me that the first ministry is at home, you know, from the fireplace 100%. out, they say. And yeah. uh, good communication with uh, my, my lovely wife has, has, has definitely been our saving grace. So as long yeah. as as long as long we're all right with it together. My wife was, I mean, she still is just incredible at supporting and, and ministry. And, and for me, before I became more prominent as a worship leader, I did the singer-songwriter and shared my testimony and traveled everywhere and did that you know and yeah um my wife was like go give him heaven you know and yeah. you know go share the gospel and so like we her her ministry was very much looking after the the household while i was away 
Uh, in fact, she looked after it when I was there as well. And then, <laughs> and, and then when I, and and then I would go and then I would she'd do my thing and then we'd come back. Um, but for you know, if if you if you if I guess for me, I didn't have healthy boundaries and and sometimes I would just travel and travel and travel and come back, yeah. have not have enough rest or have enough input at home and then travel. Probably my biggest regret. And and I'm I'm actually uh, so thankful for the last. 13, 14 months of being at home and yeah. getting to invest so, so much. You know what I mean? It's been good. But it's the battle that goes on and I think at any self-employed person's head, isn't it? Where it's mm. like, you don't know that it's going to be there next month. And it tends to come like that. You could have nothing for a month and then 20 buses the next month. And it's like feeling the need to say yes because you don't know what's going to be there next time. But you do just have to take what you can healthily do and trust that it's going to be there again. So... It's always hard. It's always did you, hard. Did you ever find yourself being a yes man? Because I, I, I am. You know, I hold my hand up to that and say, you know, I have been a yes man more often than I care to admit. To the point that it was really unhealthy, and I would, yeah, I would, I would cause myself immeasurable stress. Um, you know, probably affected my mental health, which you know stresses, and then and. Uh, but you know, try and push through it and get myself in a right flat. Have you ever had an experience of that? And if you did, how 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 did you how did you manage to pull it back? I think the second, I mean, for years, yes. But I think when I realised um, that saying no to the right stuff meant doing the other stuff really well, and like the energy that came from actually just getting to do these three projects to the best of my ability instead of these five projects half-heartedly, then I not enjoyed saying no to people. It's not that I want to say no, but realized the freedom in that was letting me actually properly say yes to the other stuff. And that, so in work, yes, but that's even realizing, okay, by saying no to this is like meaning I am getting to take my kids away to the park on Saturday or whatever you know it's all aspects i suppose yeah i I totally agree man and i uh another friend said to me once you know when you're saying no to one thing you have to realize that you're saying yes to something else you know so you you know it's not like nothing's going to happen yeah um it's it's um it's and and i feel that way as well i feel almost guilty for saying Oh no, I really want to, or you know, I really because because my heart is in serving. You know, I know I know yeah. yours is as well, and I w- I would love to be able to be available and help people out and stuff like that. But like at the moment, there's uh there's a lot of amazing stuff going on. But if I'd said yes to everything that came in over the last month, and there's a few wee things which I would have loved to have been involved in, just as favors and stuff like that, I wouldn't be able to apply myself to stuff that's, that's really quite important. You know, I mean, I mean yeah. that's that's great advice, Nathan. Uh, so, you you went from, well, I, I mean, I I heard you. I can't remember exactly where I heard you. I'm trying to remember who told me about you, but I remember catching your song. Uh, I am was redeemed. A, was it a recording or in person? Recording? It was a it was a recording. It was the original. It yeah. was it was the original one, right? Which I still listen to, by the way. I don't I, even know what the original one is because they ended up being like four five versions of that song well it's the original to me right it's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's my original right so it was um it, it, it wasn't the one on your album which was the, the dan wheeler uh, production which is yeah 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 awesome uh but it, it was the one that you i think you recorded with your friend 
yeah. Yep. So that's two before that, strangely. Right. right. But so yeah, I, that is that is the original, yeah. Yeah. So I listened to that song. Now I'm I'm not an emotional guy, or maybe I just hide it really well, right? I mm. I grew up grew up in an environment where people just didn't talk about emotions or if you if you expressed them, you were basically told to be quiet. Yeah. And uh just a cultural thing. Yeah. But I wept my eyes and bawled my eyes out when I heard that song, right? Absolutely. And and, and there's I can count on one hand the number of songs that have made me do that. Mm. And it was incredibly powerful, incredibly emotive. And I could just I was hanging on every word. It was beautifully mm. played, beautifully produced. So tell us the story behind I Am Redeemed. It's a it's a funny song because it, I guess it holds a lot for me. It's a song that I wouldn't necessarily play now, per se. I mean, I haven't. It's funny, actually, because I think you're one of the only people always mentions it to me. You know, to many people, probably many people haven't even heard it. It's like one of the first things I would have put out. Um, but I actually was doing a, an event for Tear Fund at Easter there, and they asked me to sing I Am Redeemed. And I was like, I think I even said, like, I've not played that in 10 years, you know. But then I was actually, actually, that'll be fun. Why not? So I was playing it and really enjoyed playing it. But um, it holds a lot because, A, it's the first time I wrote a song that was, you know, congregational, if you will. And I didn't even, it's not, I didn't set out to do that. Um, but realized um, I've actually written a song here because... I was taking all those gigs, you know, going back to what we're saying, I was like trying to do everything I could. But on one hand, I was writing very melancholy, you know, Damien Rice, Glenn Hansard inspired, depressing Irish singer songwriter type. Beautiful songs. stuff, man. Yeah. That, oh, I love that stuff, man. That's yeah. not that's not depressing. That is music yeah. of the heart, no, man. I, that That's like where all my influences were. Um. So on one hand, I was writing all that kind of stuff and getting up and like performing those songs at different events. But then I was also getting booked to lead worship. But I'd never like it's one of like looking back, you go, why? Why wouldn't it cross your mind? But I, I would say it probably doesn't cross a lot of people's mind who lead worship a lot and maybe even do a bit of songwriting that those things can live together. Like I could actually write a song that I get up and use when I lead worship. Simple and as elementary as that sounds, I was literally knee deep in both worlds and there was no crossover you know so i'm redeemed is the first song i wrote it was actually it was for a film in france so really strangely just a relational link through um a friend of ours that we both know paul mcneely and they needed a song for a certain uh like finishing part of the song it was a christian film i do i've actually got the dvd somewhere and I did put it in once, but I haven't a clue what's happening in it because it's all in French. So, but <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's a great story. <laughs> well, then you get Mark Marvan over for just a, just yeah, a, just a, a translator. But uh, um, randomly wrote that song. And the reason that I even recorded it in that original version that you've heard was to send off to them and they loved it and they used it and all that kind of stuff. But then it was like this thing where it's like, I think it was Paul even pointed out to me, you know, that's a, that's a worship song because I guess at the time we'd had a few conversations with um, a couple of labels and stuff and but weren't necessarily looking for you know the depressing Damien Rice thing 
Um, but it's not that I pivoted to it, but I just, I realized, hang on. Like it was one of those fiery moments. Like, like I still remember the feeling of writing my first song. I, I can see even like, I can even feel what the lighting was like in the room in my parents' old house when I wrote a song called Following This Light. Terrible song, like 14 year old for a band at school. But I remember the feeling of like, this didn't exist an hour ago and now it does. And I made it and like coming to grips with like the excitement of that. And it was the same when I then, it was another pivotal moment when I did that with a song that I then got to get up and lead worship with and hear other people in a room sing it back, you know, that was kind of amazing. So it, it's kind of special to me for that respect. And then it's also the song that Kingsway, what would become Integrity Music, heard me play as I supported Casting Crowns at a gig in Belfast and started a whole relationship and conversation there about releasing music with them which turned into doing two records together, which turned into traveling and playing them. And so at the heart of that was a song that, you know, uh, uh, yeah, at the, at the birthplace of loads, that was this song that kind of opened up all those doors. So it's pretty special. Yeah. That's wonderful to hear that man. And the, the, the thing that really got me was just how real it is. You know what I mean? So, I think I must have quoted the lyrics to, I can't even remember how many people. So like, you know, to just have a conversation with Jesus, you know what I mean? And say, you know, in the day you were beaten, it never crossed your mind that I wasn't worth dying for. You know? I mean, that, that, I mean, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it, you know what I mean? And, and uh, I mean, the whole song is so emotive and personal and, and and it's just such a beautiful reflection of worship and adoration of of, of our savior and uh i just want to, i just want to thank you for such an incredible so it inspired me you know what i mean because like i was I, you know i was checking you out on myspace and all that <laughs> <MySpace>. and, uh, <laughs> it was a uh, but it was uh, a yeah. it was it was just just i absolutely love thank the you. song and 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 i love the, that the two versions that I know, I absolutely love it. Um, you have released a couple of uh, albums since since I've met you. I mean, the, the first one that you did with Integrity, which was uh, Love Stands Forever. Yep. Yep. Uh, we actually wrote a song for, which was Come Lord right, yeah. Jesus Quickly Come, which was at our friend, mutual friends, Mr. Paul McNeely. Mm-hmm. Um, we were it doing like a, a lot of stories. It does, aye. He gets a bit, eh. Uh, <laughs> he gets yeah, a bit. He's, he's a wonderful chap. But the um, we were doing like a wee video thing with uh, Chris McClarney and Brian Houston, yeah. uh, two wonderful, wonderful chaps, and we just had like a bit of time to maybe write, yeah. And this, this we uh, you said I've got an idea, mm-hmm. and I went all right, let's have a wee bash. It was one of the first collaborations I'd ever been involved in, yeah. And I think in two hours we managed to write a wee song, didn't we? Yeah, we recorded it that night, even I think. I don't know if I've ever seen that video. I don't know if that video ever made it to the light of day, but... It'll be there somewhere. It's there somewhere. Legacy. In the archives, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that song then went on the record. And I don't know if you realise, but... That's a song that... I would have played live tons. Like, I... I did a, 
like touring looked very different a lot of the time, but especially in further afield tours, I would probably would have got booked to come and be a support or whatever, but that was like minimal budget. So it was just me on my own. And I, I suppose we're both pretty similar in that way. We're, um, do different band things, but would have done a lot of touring, just me and a guitar, you know, that would mm-hmm. be, we'd both have done that. And, that song just translates really well. In whatever way I play or sing, that song always just worked really well with just me and a guitar in that environment. So, like, that was, if it was a four or five song set, that song was probably in there, you know? So I've played that live so many times. And whenever we were in town together, we got, we got to... That's got, right, yeah. So, so it was we Phil, Phil, Phil it Wickham. Together, yeah. yeah, we did it for Phil Wickham when he was in town and Matt yeah. Redman as, as well, I think, when he was in yeah. Edinburgh as well. Yeah. And uh, what was it? Was it was it Switchfoot and Gunger? Did we do it there? Or was that, mm. or, or were we just hanging out there? I think we were just hanging out, weren't we? don't remember, yeah. Be, being fanboys. But the... Uh, <laughs> so, like, I mean, a couple... Like, so, like, a couple, I wanted to just talk a little bit about collaborative writing, right? Because... Mm. I, I think I can honestly say you're the hardest working songwriter I know. Hmm. Uh, t- to be fair, to my other songwriting friends, I don't know how hard they work. Like, cause, but they um, they pre- they produce amazing songs, so they yeah. probably they're probably just like us because we're all of a similar ilk and we suffer, you yeah. know. And uh, I just you know, so that that time when we wrote "Come Lord Jesus Quickly Come." We we managed to turn it around pretty quickly, yeah, and and be pretty happy with it. I don't think there was any edits to it, you know, or yeah. or, or any reviews. That was the days before zooms and stuff like that. Do you find that? I mean, I I don't know about you, but I fi- I found that two hour song rights uh, tend to be a bit quick for me to be to to get to get a song done and dusted from maybe a, a couple of a word or a line or a musical idea uh yeah. for, for me i think it needs to be attended to a little bit of massage it may be different from other people i know some songwriters are just amazing at producing and there's different personalities chrissy noddle's got yeah. a wonderful book that's, that speaks about that but they yeah um what, what's what's your opinion on that do you know do you think yeah i, I would just like to get your, your insight on that i think I think like many things with songwriting is like there there just is no set way, you know, like that song. So that song's written in two hours and is on an album, which also has a song on it called Burning Heart that I wrote with a guy called Nick Herbert, who I've actually been working a lot with recently, that I think was a few sessions over a period of two years, you know living side by side on the same record you know i just don't think there's a there's a rule um i think it's just sometimes how the song comes like i still find myself in rooms and two hours later it's like wow and it just feels like a total download of here's a song that just feels done just feels like it says everything but i think more often than not um the, f- the fun bit can be the n- initial inspiration and chasing like the excitement of an idea but actually there's like 10 times more work in grafting it out I think that's the balance I really live with it's that whole idea of 1% inspiration 99% perspiration where it's like you get the idea um, it's always funny people have that idea of songwriters right or artists generally that we just sort of float around 
the world during the day and like hear little ideas and there we go there's our work done for the day but um it's the graft of making that work you know it's like i've always took loads from matt redman as he talks about you know if you're serious about this you know you need to like be very diligent in the time that you set aside it's not about do I feel like doing that? It's going, I'm free nine to five on Tuesday. So that's when I have to finish that song and like getting yourself to a place where you can be creative. It's not that you're then taking that out of it, but you can be creative in a structured environment or even embrace limitations. Like limitations are some of the most creative things you can do. Like budget is often like the best creative tool, you know, Mm. like I have to do it within this, area or or you know or in this case i have to do it in this time frame or whatever i think that stuff's really positive i even love that about worship music where it's like um you know there are set limitations here you know i can't expect a congregation full of you know varied people to sing from this note to this note or sing a melody that does this so i think there's like i love being creative within a set of limitations so um, I don't even remember what your original question was, but I know it's I'm not all, there anymore. It, no, no, it's, it's all very good, man. And and I I I agree. There are no rules to songwriting apart from the rules that you 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 create for the song that you're creating. Yeah. You know, what I mean. And in terms of yeah. writing hymn a day and meter, and you know, writing for a congregation, I think that you have responsibilities because uh, you, you could write something for the congr like. The best and worst congregational song, in my opinion, right, is the Star Spangled Banner, right? I'm probably going to get shot for this, but it is an incredible song. Stunning song. Absolutely tremendous, right? So, And, and, And hear me on this, right? Don't. But go go find the Gaither vocal band. You know, I'm not a Southern gospel here. Right. Go find them with with David Phelps and singing that. And it's like, wow. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Great. No, 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 no. I'm going to be checking that out, man. And uh, but like, it is an incredible song, right? Yeah. Uh, melodically, I mean, that's why it's so beautifully done a cappella as well. You know. Yeah. Melodically, that's the test of how good it is. Yeah. Uh, lyric yeah. lyrically, it is just phenomenal, absolutely yeah. amazing. But in terms of congregationally. Yeah. You know, because it's got such a high belt at the end as well. I mean, not everybody can do it, and and when it's done by a great singer, yeah, it's 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 unbelievable. I mean, it's yeah. just very inspiring and apps. It's it's very moving, you know, yeah, uh, and emotive. It's just wonderful. Can't say enough about it. But I I guess like for for me, I I would use it as a reference on how to maybe not right for your general church congregation because of the the, the range of yeah. of the notes so i think there's a you know the, the unwritten rule of you don't really want to go higher than a, a tenth or a ninth you know like in terms of right. an, an octave and stuff like that because yeah. some somebody once said to me essentially you have to write for the people that aren't confident about singing you know what i mean because they want yeah. to worship as well yeah and uh th- that's always been a good thing so th- th- there can be rules within songwriting and uh but 
you know, like I said to my daughter, she wrote her first song the other week, you know, mm. and she's, she's eight years old. She says, Dad, I wrote a song about lockdown, which is just amazing. Wow. And That's I was, because so cool. like she's just processing, uh, you know, her experience yeah. and stuff like that. It, it was just lovely. We had to relook at it and a lot of it didn't make sense. And <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, but yeah. she, she, she'd written it down with a green pencil on a bit yeah. of paper. And I was just like, this is absolutely amazing because she's just yeah. taking the time to create and, and, and do stuff. Now, it, it might not make sense to anybody else, but she's created something and it means something to her. And at the end yeah. of the day, that's that's what's important, isn't it? Yeah. It's just wonderful stuff. And, and I always tell songwriters that like your mindset has to be with anything, that the all of these songs matter, whether it's just for you to process something or because that's actually a freedom to because I so so as someone writing songs every day and I think they talk in Nashville you know you got to write a hundred songs to get 10 cuts to get one hit you know or like as many songs float out the river in a day that don't meet the light of day I think I found it initially when I was when I was flooding myself into writing so much I found it a little depressing to think the odds are this doesn't see the light of day and that that can put you off until you are comfortable with the fact that if it's just for me to externally process my own thoughts right now yes in a world of needing to make some sort of income from this and all that there I need x amount to happen whatever but when you can be satisfied that you're just processing yourself that um a really beautiful picture of it is a guy pastor in canada actually told me about this can't remember where he heard it but he just likened it to to boats so like from like the world's biggest cruise liner that maybe travels all over the place and carries hundreds or thousands of people on it is your ten thousand reasons or this big song that like beautifully connects the church all over the world and that we all know I think there's something beautiful about the fact that we can walk into churches all over the place and hear songs we know and there's something unifying about that but um there's those big songs but even like the little tiny boats that somebody just needs to go out and collect fish on to eat that night it still has to be fit for purpose it still can't have holes in it and not and sink you know like no matter how big or small it is, it still has to be crafted well and given care and attention. If that's just for you or if that's for like hundreds of people. I thought that was a really beautiful way to think about it. That's lovely, man. Really, really good. So let me ask you as we as we as we're coming to the the the, the sort of tail end of the, 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 the episode, man. Um for, for all those aspiring songwriters uh out there, could you give us your top five tips? Uh, or top five do's and don'ts. Uh, like so, like if you were to 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 speak to a relatively young Nathan Jess, although you are quite young now, what would be <laughs> what would what would be your your top five tips for um singers and songwriters out there? Uh, when they're when they're when they're coming to the table to write songs. Okay, um, good question. Um, my favorite thing right now. There's this bit called, what's the bit called? The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Don't know if you know that book, but she she says that writing is more about the spiritual practice of writing things down than thinking things up. I just love that, you know. Like if we were talking earlier about inspiration, and then like the the diligence to go craft it. It's that. It's like 
it's way easier to sit down on nine to five on Tuesday when you've got that time with all these things that when you felt an emotion or when you were in a moment or when something moved you that you just scribbled that down and then you develop on that then sit and go on okay what will I write about because that's that's just too much freedom in that like it's hard to know where to start there so I love that idea like my I think as a songwriter like my biggest um responsibility maybe in general life before I come to crafting it is being very open and willing to always respond to things that move me or um emotions that I feel like the best songs I write the most the most universal songs I write will be the most personal songs you know so like oh never never being willing to let go of something even and I'm not trying to push the idea of the airy fairy songwriter but it has meant me getting out of bed before because I can't get past a line in my head and going and scribbling it down so that when I have the time to sit down and work on a song I'm working on this thing that I wrote down in a moment instead of just trying to think something up on the spot so I think that's a really cool quote that's a great one um gosh five right so number two uh or th- or three three there's a lot and there's a there's a lot of great stuff in that man and i I totally agree like write it down because i've got a brain like swiss cheese and if i don't yeah. i'll be sitting there trying to figure out what i thought about two days ago when i should have really wrote it down i was too lazy though you know what i mean so yeah yeah so uh, a few more a couple more whatever you're comfortable with yeah i always love to encourage so if you don't do it i always love to encourage co-writing i mean when I started writing, certainly a lot of people in the starting place, um, you just sit and write songs in your bedroom. And I find it very intimidating to go and sit with other people. But when you realize that you get to you get to add their strengths to the parts in the song that you struggle with or just realize that other people's ideas are better than yours, you know, a lot of the time and that you can end up with something better. I would really encourage writers to like, the only way that happens is to be very proactive and I think the most sad thing between songwriters is we should write a song sometime and then six months later we should write a song sometime and then a year later we should write a song sometime put it in the diary I think that comes from from both sides even just writing on your own and co-writing that that, that is why I love co-writing because you have to show up it's in the diary and I can't just decide at 10am when it's scheduled that I don't feel like it you know I have to log into the zoom call or I'm away somewhere else writing so like it makes you do it um so but do that for co-writing like find find people that maybe you're a lyric person and they're really good at melodies and like schedule time and build relationships if it doesn't work with a certain person it's fine you know find other people but um you know be really deliberate about doing that um co-writing is awesome Especially when you look through CCLI and realize, like, none of these songs in the worship scene are written by one person. It's just not. It's community, not. isn't it? It's community, yeah, exactly. Which is amazing. Yeah. So, Corinne's big. And I think why that matters, this whole schedule thing is like, for me, and for me, and like many things, like, I look at my garden and realize there's so much work needed to get it under control because I haven't done it for a while and you look at the size of the big task and never start it but there's nothing like starting there's nothing like just doing it like you could teach on songwriting all day long but there's nothing like just writing songs and realizing 
and learning how to do things better, you know, learn by doing, I think. Um, I always have that little saying, like, there's nothing like starting. Any task in life, when you look at it, there's just nothing like just getting your head into it and all of a sudden you're excited on it and you're going on it. That's good, man. And and do you think in terms of, uh, like, like as you, as you said, like, at, at the beginning, like, your your first point, which was to just sort of write it down and keep note and stuff like that. I, I'm I'm one of the one of the bits of advice I give if somebody was looking for a songwriting tip would be to make sure you've got enough ingredients to make dinner. You know what I mean? Which is yeah. uh, so like whether you're reading or uh, getting inspiration, if you come to the table with nothing, you're not yeah. going to be able to cook anything. You know what I mean? So like, there's um, do, do, I I get this question a lot. Do you start by writing a melody? Do you start by with a a, a phrase or a word or or anything like that? What, what do you think? Do you think there's there's one's better than the other? What, what do you think? I think, and that's probably another great tip, is like variety really helps. Like stimulating your brain from a different direction really helps. So like, I would deliberately have many ways that I do that, that I start from because it's just like always approaching the puzzle from a different starting point is going to give like a different outcome. So, and I guess that's like learn what those things are for you and then know to do them. So like I'll even as simple as moving from guitar to piano and like I probably write more melodically based songs on piano because my melodies will end up following parts that I'm writing within the chords um but then equally like I just love having loads of different starting points I'll write songs because I'll get inspired from a piano part I write from a little guitar if I write which quite often I my melodies quite often come out of um what those actual instrumental parts are doing but I'll write loads of songs from like I've almost always scribbling things down in sermons. I'm always inspired by a thematic idea or like I'll write out some lyrics that I don't know what the melody would be for yet. Um, I also love, recently I've been doing it loads where just like writing from titles, like just looking for like really cool titles or like, it sounds like, it sounds like something that wouldn't give you a broad picture of what a whole song could be, but I've done a bunch of writes recently where someone's gone, I've just got this, you know, really interesting title. Um, like one, re- like what if it was like, what if it was just called Everyday Miracles? But like when you just get like an interesting title to me, my brain just goes, you know, mm. and you start to get a glimpse of what that whole thing could be. So for me, that's actually the good thing. It's like deliberately starting from different places, you know, rather than just having a, oh, I normally start lyrics or melody or whatever. It's good to have an anchor as well, isn't it? So, like, if if it is a title, or I mean, I was looking through a couple of websites uh, the other day that they actually have um, somebody's taken the time to make a website with a list of all the choruses, just just the first line of the refrains and the choruses from pretty much every congregational song they could find. Right. You know, so if it's like um, "Then sings my soul," that would be one of them, or "Bless yeah. the Lord, O my soul." Or um, uh, just try to think of uh, another one. Um, Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, what I mean, just, just, just yeah. th- these choruses and stuff like that. And you could read through these and and then just start singing. And it, and it's all right to be inspired by other people as well. You know, because I mean, it's been happening since year dot. You know, what I mean, you can't you can't not do it if you think you're if you think you're not 
doing it here. Yeah. It's all, it's Have you all, ever read that book, Steal Like an Artist? I think you told me about it, but I haven't actually really read it. Good. But it's that whole idea. There's nothing new under the sun. You know, regardless of what you think subconsciously, you're being inspired by all the music you love. Uh, Nick Herbert has a really nice term for it. It's like we're all selective collectors. <laughs> so we're all collecting influences from the things we love, and that's always going to flow into like whatever you're sort of just putting together a mishmash of influences of all the things you love somehow. So amazing. Uh, so just very briefly, mm-hmm. because we're, we're running out of time. So say if uh, our listeners have a song mm-hmm. and they've got, a, they've got a song and they, they love it, whether it's to just sing it in their church, which is great, or they want to take it a little bit further and present it to the world and stuff like that. I mean, I remember when I was, just first starting out, it was a case of buying blank CDs and burning them off one at a time in my laptop, you know, back in yeah. the day, and uh, and then just handing them out at gigs and stuff like that. But but the world's changed now, you know. You can stick them Those up on the days. Yeah, you can you can stick them online and stuff like that. Is yeah. there um or maybe you wanted to get some more work done because you're you're a producer as well, you know. What I mean, so what um uh, what 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 can people? What advice would you give to people who have a song? Maybe it's uh, they're they're a very gifted songwriter, but musically they don't feel confident enough to record it themselves. What advice would you give to them to take it to the next step? Sometimes that's where I mean, if you're someone who has that ability, um, or you're an instrument, I mean, you don't even really need to have a great understanding. There's entry level for everyone, so if you can play the keyboard and you've got a computer, like, get GarageBand or get whatever, and, like, um, I've I've probably retrospectively now, somewhere down the line, watch a lot of YouTube videos trying to see what other people do and how they get certain sounds, but it all started by just, like, having a simple setup where I was just singing my own songs in and then playing around with them and being experimental. But it's probably where co-writing comes in, too, Um where you would get a lot of co-writers who um, are able to do that side of thing. I mean, that would be, in in my world, that would be partly what I'm seen as. Like, in most rights I'm in, I'm also the guy who's going to deliver the demo after it, if you know what I mean, where you're a producer-writer type scenario. So if you've got a bunch of songs that you feel really good about, or or half-baked ideas even... And you're thinking of collaborating with someone, like coll- maybe collaborate with someone who has the means and tools to do that. And I mean, I even love that side of writing where that's not just like using someone for their recording. You know, some sometimes it's really great to bring all that into the writing process. Um because you will then, as as a track maybe builds, or as you know, you lay a bit of a foundation for what the song might look like. It invokes different melodies, or you have different ideas about where the song goes. That the music can kind of help shape that. I was actually listening to a podcast yesterday, but they were interviewing Jonathan Ogden, and he was basically talking about how he struggles to separate the production and arranging and songwriting of it because he does all that and that's all like one thing to him you know as much as is the songwriting is building the track at the same time and seeing how it evolves on all fronts you know so maybe maybe that's a great way for someone like that to get into having a recorded 
part of it is to actually maybe start to write and collaborate with someone who can do that as well yeah I, building your network and 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 just having fun with it man because it, it, it as much as a, as much of it as it can be a grind i don't regret it at all man you know i I, yeah. I absolutely love it i think it's a wonderful way to worship it's a wonderful way to serve it's a wonderful way to process and yeah. it's um i mean i love what i i have the, this awesome privilege of being able to write and 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 serve god and doing that and also being collaborative like a a uh, a friend of mine actually said to me once, you know, if you're going into a co-write, be careful that um how precious you are taking something into a co-write as well, you know, because it's uh if 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 you're doing something collaboratively, you know, it's allowing people the space and the freedom to bring something to the table, which might mean yeah. deconstructing something that you've got, and if you're incredibly precious over it. Yeah, it it can be a bit of a struggle to move forward with that. So it's allowing yeah. it's allowing their gifts and the Holy Spirit to move in them with their with it, with their gifts as well. And yeah. that that was um because you know as as much as I hate to admit it, I can be quite a big control freak coming from a place <laughs> where where I did everything myself. You know, so it was it was um yeah. I, I'd written a song, uh, w- which was very personal, and then suddenly I'm in a co-write, and it's like I want to write this, and then somebody says, "Well, I think this is stronger," and I'm like. All right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it's uh it's yeah, it's the biggest learning process of co-writing is not being precious and I think you realize that more times than not when you it's even just being willing to chase the idea, you know. Whether you think it's good or not, chase it and see where it goes. You never know. Mm. But yeah, you can't you can't be you can't be precious. You have to care enough not to care actually, if you know what I mean. Mm. Let go of the rope. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I can't remember who who wrote this, but they, somebody said uh, uh, all your songs deserve to be finished, even the bad ones. You mm. know, I can't remember who's, who who wrote that or said that, but it's um it's so true. And I I guess the last nugget of wisdom that I that I always share with people, which came from a conversation with Andrew Peterson uh, last year, was uh, I spent so much time trying to create an environment to write. That I never actually got any writing done. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's, which is it was because yeah. it, it's it's lovely having some nice stuff and, and the ability yeah. to make noises and you know, drum and bass beats, which I'll never do. But yeah. it's um, but it, I I I don't actually get round to to writing and stuff like that. Do you think in? Because I think I think J.K. Rowling actually said all you, all you need is a book and a pen. Yeah, you know, which is which is very very true, and guitars are very easy to carry around, aren't they? You know what yeah. I mean. So it's yeah. a, it's a, like what I was saying. There's nothing like starting. There's nothing like just doing it. You know, it's great, man. I I yeah. I've spent too long at different times in my life just like watching YouTube videos about gear instead of like with what I have, just making a song. You know. Mm. Yeah, totally. Was it Jack White said that uh, you want to be a songwriter, musician, etc. Sell your PlayStation. <laughs> you, know, you know what yeah. I mean which is it's so yeah. true man you know what I mean yeah. so true get eliminate distraction okay yeah. Nathan it's been so good to talk to you man I mean just so Pleasure. much in there wonderful lovely learn more about you man I absolutely love you man as, as a brother as a man as, as, a, as a totally love and respect you as a as a singer songwriter worship leader and as a musician so I like if, if people can check and find out all your all your stuff on on online and, and on your website, yeah, is that right? 
Um, yeah, I don't think I have a website anymore. I think I retired that. But, really? Um, <laughs> Nathan, yeah, just Nathan Jess on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Facebook. Nathan, Nathan Jess, no worries, man. And uh, it's all on um, Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff as well, yep. isn't it? Yeah, yep. great. And yep. uh, that's wonderful stuff, man. Um, Thanks so much for asking me. I'm a, you know, I'm well. I'm, I'm looking. I'm, I'm look. I'm a big, big fan. So, ah, oh, but I didn't see that. <laughs> oh, blushing. But the, uh, the. I'm looking forward to getting back over to the lovely Northern Ireland, so we can write some. You're more. always welcome. Oh, I always feel I'm always very welcome when I'm there, and it's um we've got a a song that we wrote coming out on the new Celtic right. Worship album, which yes, will be which we that did. I'm very excited about. Yeah, which is uh, which we which we co-wrote with uh, the wonderful Benji Cower, mm-hmm. and uh, so that that'll be one to look out for. And uh, we we co-wrote a few of the uh, tracks on um my, the old Perfect Father EP, so people can check them out as well. But yeah. um. Thank you so much, Nathan. And thank you. Uh, yeah, have a, a blessed day, and I'm sure I'll catch up with you soon. But thanks for 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 blessing me and the, the community with your time, mate. Man, I really really enjoyed that. Always seem to find the gold when I'm chatting to my brother Nathan. If you'd like to keep up to date with what Nathan is up to, you can find him on various social media platforms. Go give him a follow. And make sure you check out his amazing music which is available on Spotify, Apple Music and all other streaming services. If you'd like to listen to the song co-written by myself, Nathan Jess and Michael Farron, you can find it on my new EP, Oh Perfect Father, which is also available on Spotify, Apple Music, etc. Just search Steph McLeod, No Other God, and be sure to follow my profile for any updates and new music releases. Thank you so, so much for tuning in today. This is Steph McLeod signing off until next time. God bless.